Welcome to Across the Park Podcast, the only place you can hear banter and debate from both sides of Stanley Park, whether it be blue or red. Sponsored by Their Clothing, Camper Kings UK and affiliation with Betmate. Hello and welcome to episode number 28 of 21-22 season of Across the Park podcast, the only place you can hear banter and debate from both sides of Stanley Park. A big shout out to our sponsors, as always, Camper Kings UK. Get over to the Camper Kings website, getting light nights and light mornings now. What, what a better time. The holidays are coming up, Easter holidays. Get booked on your summer holidays, your school holidays. A camper van for the family, a camper van even for the cheeky boy or girl week, weekends away. Eh? Get over there and make sure that you quote Across the Park podcast when you do book that camper van. They will give you, because of that, free bottle of bubbly and some free insurance. Get over to Fair Clothing as well, fairclothing.com. Always offers on there. It's men's clothing, whether it be tees, coats, shoes, jeans. Really smart, smart bit of clothing over there. But if you quote um, ATP20 at checkout, that they will give you 20% off, believe it or not. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our, our affiliates, Betmate, later. That The Betmate uh, Merseyside across the park double is back. I'm going to ask Teddy what, what team he's going to go for. He's going to have to mix it up. Is he going to go Blues? Is he going to go Wolves? Because he's got to mix it up. I doubt he's going Brighton. Uh, you will see. It's just myself, Ian Mills and Teddy McGiven. Very, very depleted squad. Reminds me of Everton at Chelsea in December. I'm waiting for Ella Sims to latch onto a through ball here, Teddy. Uh, but me and Teddy are going to talk about everything that's relevant that we think Depleted squad, Terry. We've got no Judge, you know, Price, you know, Gary. We've got no Phil. What's going on? Is it, Everyone's got new jobs. Everyone's got commitments. What's happening? I know. Absolutely on our lazies, aren't we? You know what I mean? We need to get a few players off the off the, uh, off the treatment table. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best. But I, I think before we get into to the football side of things, um, the, the region of Merseyside as, as a football fan base. Both clubs have paid tribute. We unfortunately lost um, Gordon Lee, the Everton manager, from 1977 to 1981. Now, a man who didn't put trophies on the board, but a man who who was synonymous with some good football, uh, Duncan McKenzie, um, Bob Latchford. It, it was just, you know, Mick Lyons played there, and, and some of those players eventually trickled into that amazing 80s team. Now, now we know, and we're not bragging here, we know the effect this podcast has. We do have lots of listeners who, who, who are probably either somehow related, whether that just, just be through affection or, or blood to, to Gordon Lee. So myself, Terry, and all that of the podcast do want to send our condolences and best wishes to everybody who's who's mourning the loss of, of Gordon Lee. Terry, before we get into what's blue or red, what's happened today to Chelsea? I've just been driving home and TalkSport said there that three, the sponsors have, have, have suspended their relationship with them, which means that... Um, the logo on the shirt, the sponsor has to come off. There's going to be no ticket sales. They can't even sell food or drink in the stadium. Only season ticket holders can go. This is due to a sanction on on Roman Abramovich. What did you make of the news today when you, when you woke up and heard it? For me, they're on the edge of a disaster. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I'll be honest. It, it's obviously, you know, it's just, with, with everything that's going on, and, and I think... He saw the writing on the wall himself, you know, with, with, with the sanctions coming. He was mm. he was making talks to try and put the club into trust. And he, he basically said he was ready to sell the club. And yeah. I think, you know, the way that like the sort of authorities have looked at that as is, you know, that's he's trying to divest of assets there, you know what I mean? And basically get his money out of a regime what where it, you know, it, it could end up being suspended or as, as I say, put 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 sanctions on it. So 
obviously it looks like now that you know the the UK government have acted and, and basically made that impossible and and they've tied them into Chelsea. There is some sort of special dispensation so the club can continue to operate um yeah. in terms of you know that are able to pay wages and things and but as you say there's there's limits on you know other other elements that, as in what they can and can't do because ultimately you know the revenues and the profits from any of that activity flow back to LeBronbridge being the sole owner. So you know it's it's mad really isn't it you know that 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 it's came to this situation when you think you know that you do have all of these fit and proper tests you know from yeah. from like from from the premier league and and and, and all of these organizations and you know how fit and proper can it really be if this was ever you know a, a possibility of someone who's politically exposed um you know in whether it be in russia or other countries you know it, 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 it it's a it's a crazy situation and you know what I mean? If you're a Chelsea fan now, it's it, it it you're starting to worry what could potentially happen because all you know, I think the idea was if he sold it, it'd be, you know, thank thanks for what you, you've done, Roman, but you know, we're we're under new ownership now. And you'd think that it would have to be you know, someone of equivalent sort of wealth to be able to afford the one point five billion or whatever it was, or two billion that he was asking for. And, and, but, and it just carries on as it was. But you look at it now and, and you know, they're now completely frozen and depending on how long this situation goes on. You've got to expect that players and, and the manager um, within that club will start to be having conversations with agents and representatives as to, yeah, of course, you know, they do they want to end up being stuck there? You know what I mean? Where it, it could get worse, and you know, contract improvements are probably not going to be getting discussed. So it really does put them in an untenable situation. I've seen Carragher obviously put an article out today, and I think others have sort of latched onto it that. You know, Man U should they be looking at the likes of Tuchel? You know, and it, 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 is it basically an opportunity for a lot of clubs to be, be able to maybe pick Chelsea off a little bit? You know, while they're vulnerable, it, it would be a very opportunistic. But if you're a Chelsea fan at the moment, you must be absolutely terrified. Yeah, but it, it's in the same state that there's no player trading at all. So I know Aspilicueta's out of contract. I know Rudiger's out of contract. And um, Chelsea's statement today was very, very brief, and it basically says we're going to play Norwich. Um, our women's team are going to play West Ham. And then we'll take advice. They weren't looking past the weekends. So, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know the ins and outs, and I'm, I'm not a big political person. So, we'll stay away from politics and football. We'll stay on the football. That's, that's, it looks to me in black and white like they can't play a trade. So, how do the likes of top players like a Kante, like a, um, who's the goalkeeper? I forget his name, the, the XIX. Um, he's, he's anyway, uh, Lukaku. Even the likes of Timo Werner and stuff, who will now be looking at a way to get back to Germany, are they locked in? Have they got to play for Chelsea going forward? Well, it's a, it, it's a strange situation because obviously I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, but I imagine that there probably is clauses in the contract and things. You know, whether it be like yeah. four euro, you know, things that that can be probably used to basically say, well, you know, I'm, I'm basically being employed by someone who's being politically sanctioned, and yeah, of you course. know. The, the the probably is ways to get out of that situation. Do you know what I mean? In terms of whether it be under employment laws or something like that, I, I imagine there's ways and means for them players and things to get out if they really did want to. Um, I don't think I don't expect anything to happen in, in the immediate term. And obviously, you know, the summer's still quite a long time away. Um, depending on what happens, but you've got to be thinking um, that you know, even if the sanctions only last for a period of months, and hopefully, you know. The situation in the Ukraine gets, you know, we, we do find some peace in as soon as possible, and and it and maybe that may change things. But I think the fact that 
this has happened completely changes the entire dynamic of ownership in in, in Premier League football and stuff. You know, mm. fit and proper tests and 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 things like that. It's it, it you know you've got to start. You'd imagine that clubs and and, and leagues are going to start doing a lot more due diligence because it doesn't reflect very well on the Premier League. You know that that basically mm. a club the size of Chelsea being owned by someone who's basically being said to be almost practically complicit in 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 basically you know Putin's war in the Ukraine so it, it you know it doesn't look good and as you say you've got sponsors and things pulling out and 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 you know money talks doesn't it so I imagine that the ownership thing will probably become um a a, a big hot topic um the and Premier League have, have rolled the dice haven't they with this ownership thing because they, they've, they've looked sideways in relation to Newcastle and the Saudis now we're talking about Chelsea who are the European champions they played an English team in the final the Premier League have more or less said that they want to dominate, you know, the European scene of football, which arguably they have done. I imagine you guys are going to go close against City. Will go close. So, arguably, the three teams in England who are the best teams would probably be in the top five or six teams in in Europe, in my opinion. So, the Premier League have rolled the dice here, and now the implications on what you're saying could be that it gets that tight now that we go the other way. Yeah, it. it, it, it I don't. It, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you know, you say they've rolled the dice, and they have. You know what I mean? It's it's one of them. It's a, there's been a lot of hold your nose, and as long as yeah. the, you know the money's coming in, yeah, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you don't want to get political on the podcast, and, and you've yeah. got to be careful. But you know, we know that, as you say, Newcastle's owners and and even City's owners and things. There's you know, there's 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 things that we could probably point to there that say you know they're maybe not whiter than white in terms of you know what what's mm-hmm. going on their back record. So there has been a lot of, as I say, no hold your nose and, and, and accept the money. I just wonder how long that that can continue now. You know, I think this will have probably drop like a bomb on on is it Richard Masters who's the Premier League chief exec? I think he is just to be like yeah it's a busy life for him. And and you know it, it, it probably won't stop with just Chelsea. Obviously, you know, more pertinent to us on the podcast is you know obviously we we've seen Usmanov who yeah. whilst not having any direct ownership of Everton obviously is is basically putting money into Everton via sponsorship agreements. There's, there's money, his money is is rooted into that club into my club. It's, it's rooted into it. Now now we've had banter, we've had serious conversations, we've talked about implications and things in the past. I, I think everyone on the podcast, we're not breaching anyone's we've got a we've got a relationship with with Everton Football Club which we value, but we're not breaching anything here. We I know that Usmanev is involved somehow. And yeah. if you and if you didn't agree with that, just look at what's happening to the stadium now. I've just drove past now, and the pulling USM thing still down. They can't get rid of the signs. The, the women's sponsors of Megaphone has been stripped of the shirt. So for me, I'm I'm fearing now whether all this takes is some sort of internal investigation into into all these guys, including Usmanov. And what do you find in, in my football club? I'm I'm not having cozy nights at home. Fucking on the pitch is giving me sleepless nights. Never mind, off it. And now yeah. I'm in a situation now where I'm, where I'm thinking, I don't know what's next. Like, the mo- there's Russian money in my football club. There's, there's some sort of things going on there. Now, I'm worried that, and, and there's an article I broke yesterday to, to go alongside that, which may or not be true. The Daily Mail, Matthews, who broke the article. I mean, Matthews has got a, in my opinion, he's got a history of sticking it in to certain clubs but when when they when they don't need it. Aston Villa being a... One when they went down, I think he was quite vocal on, on putting the boot in there. He's, he's done it with us. But anyway, if you haven't seen the article, 
which if you're an Evertonian watching all this, then I imagine you have, he basically reported that the Premier League could be looking to dock Everton points if we breach FFP, you know, regulations for profit and spending. Now, online, I had some research, the Athletics on an article, Liverpool Echo, there's a friend of the show, the SQ was on our show, and and he said that Everton have already been in communication for over 12 months with the Premier League by saying, look, here's where we are, here's our plan to get out of it. COVID's hit us, a number of things have hit us, and that affected what we spent last summer, which you can see Everton spent £1.7 million. They couldn't, they couldn't buy players until they sold Luca Dean in January. So there's that sort of flip side, that maybe there's some sort of, not agreements, but communication. But for me, what communication is that? If I say to you, Terry, I'm really, really sorry for, for breaking the, the rules that you've set in your house, but can I carry on breaking them and keep saying sorry? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. What I can say is a blue is, is I'm having it, – it, it's in my head. This club is – and the problems is in my head all the time. And I, I'm quite fearful from the other side and you're looking – you're looking into the bonfire from standing in the field. What do you make of it? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think we have talked about it on this podcast, haven't we, in the past? It was probably some point, you know, last year when COVID hit. And I think I made the point that COVID was actually, you know, really good for everything in a weird way, you know, the fact that lockdown happened because you were very, very close, as I recall. I remember when we were talking about it on Radio City, you were very, very close to breaching only for that name and rights deal that came in from Usmanov, which basically gave you... Yeah. 30 million buffer and got you away from, from hitting. Absolutely. Then you have the lockdown happens, which meant that the rolling three-year window that they assess financial fair play over, the third year, basically years three and four, were mm. added together and now averaged out. So it gave you a bit of breathing room because it allowed you to, to basically say, well, you know, we won't spend as much in, foot in year four and that'll bring down the average and we might get away with it. So you've been very close to the bone in terms of them, them you know, them FFP rules for quite a while and I don't think as a, you know I, I agree with some of the people in the analysis that's being done that say you know there's been talks with the Premier League going on for a long time I imagine there has been because mm. I think when you've sailed that close to it anyway I imagine the Premier League would be very on top you know behind the scenes and not just with you with all the clubs in COVID because everyone was you know under the cost in terms of money and, and, and things so I do think I don't think it's going to be a surprise to the Premier League and I don't necessarily think that all of a sudden you're going to be punished by the Premier League and get a point deduction or whatever. What I do think is, and I think you're right, you know, there is Russian money in Everton. Mm. Um, and whether you believe that, you know, Mishiri is a front for Usmanov or or whatever, there's no denying how close the relationship between them two were. You know, mm. Mishiri was a, a, a board member, I think chairman of the board of, of his one of his companies and things. So, you know, there's there's a lot of close ties you know, when you when you look at it and think, you know, if you look at from when I looked at the account a while back, um, there was a big write up done by the Swiss Ramble, um, which you know a really good account on Twitter for all the football finances. And what it showed, I think, was that Everton's commercial activity in percentage terms is one of the it's been one of the biggest you know improvements since Machiri mm. came in. Not in not in like absolute terms. So relative to like Man U, Liverpool, City, you're still you know small in terms of what you bring in commercially, but in terms of percentage increase from what you were before he came in, it's it's been a big boost. Hmm. And that's been a lot of that, if, you know, if you look at it as being on the back of Osmanov's sponsorship deals that are coming in, you know, whether it be, you know, the ground, the training ground, you know, the women, blah, blah, blah. All of these related companies and related parties that he's been putting money into the club has seen your commercial side improve dramatically. That being said, you've been still been spending a ton of money on wages, which is why you're probably so so tight on on FFP. 
if all of a sudden now your sponsorships are suspended, you're n- maybe not in a position where you're definitely cancelling them and like saying they're yeah. under the water. And if you did do that, you're then trying to find sponsors who are going to come in and basically maybe look the other way from how close Mashiri is to, to Usmanov. You've got to you've got to look at that and think Everton's commercial side is probably going to suffer some stress, you know, over the next. It's, it's not only the links to, to Usmanov. It's not only the links to, to Usmanov or, or or Russia, if you want to say it that way. But Everton have, have only really, like you say, there in the past few years improved the commercial side of the club. I've always looked at Liverpool, envious of the commercial side. I forget the pitch because they someone will sponsor a black tie. Someone will sponsor a blade of grass at Anfield, and then we were selling our, our um, merchandise deals to Kitbag for a fixed fee of one point five million a year or whatever it was, and then it took years to get that right. I mean, Everton Football Club, if you take player sales out of it, do not generate income. They just don't. Mm. The, the, the ground is limited. There's now thirty thousand capacity because of the new disabled sections that are there. There's no corporate lounges. One of our corporate days at a match. Is in the Hilton in town with, with transport to and from back. It's there's no money yeah. that comes in. So if you take what has rightly or wrongly been an improvement in financial income from the sponsorship away from this club, I don't know the implications of that. I don't think it's as simple as you just go and find somebody else because well, exactly. Especially when on the pitch, you know, things aren't quite yeah. going the way you want them to go. So and I think that's the worry. I think for if you're an Everton fan, you know. At the moment, that's the bit you should be looking at. It's not like you know you can get a point deduction off the off the prem and all that. I don't I personally don't think that that will happen? Um, because I think if it did, the prem would look ridiculous. You know, how have you let a club get so badly managed financial fair play wise that you're having to punish them with point deductions for the first time ever in the Premier League? So I think they'll do everything they can to sort of bend and 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 sort of accommodate where you are. But I do think you know if you're looking at it in terms of the next two years, even on to the next three years, if you've all of a sudden got to find all of these new sponsorship deals at a time when, you know, that hope isn't maybe there that it was when Machiri came in, there was a lot of, mm. you know, there's a billionaire owner on board, we're spending big in the window. Sponsors want to be associated with that because they think European football and, you know, maybe yeah, yeah. cracking into the top four and stuff. At the moment, you haven't got that sort of, you know, and sort of, what's the word? You haven't got that appeal. Feeling- yeah, that appeal. So, you know, I do think it's going to materially hurt your your sort of financial position over the next the next twelve eighteen months. Like, um, and it'll be it'll be very interesting, you know, to to, to see how how you deal with that. There's there's lots of moving parts here. I mean, on, on Tuesday morning, I woke up. With... Just put the lamp on. One sec, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, just to carry on. On Tuesday morning, I, I woke up and I, I was. Literally, I was worried sick by what I seen on Monday night. I, I was starting to think about Sunday already. Then, 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 Wednesday morning, I wake up to this story of possible docking points. Which, I, and I, what I, what I do agree with Teddy is everything you said there. I, I think the Premier League will probably do everything they can to not have that public. You know, how did it get to this? What I do think Everton will be in trouble by is if they finish seventeenth. Do the three teams below go quietly then? If Everton stay by a goal or a point, do those three teams do a Sheffield United West Ham? Now I know I know West Ham ended up you know paying some money opposed to being replaced. Yeah. That that's just a, just a disaster the position we're in. And now I wake up on Thursday, and and I see somewhat a club with Russian money in it being almost cast aside 
every sponsor they've got, and we're talking earlier on in the show about possible clauses that players could leave under employment law and stuff. It, to be an Evertonian at the minute is is just it's so stressful. It's so yeah. stressful. If, if you if you didn't smile, honestly, you'd be in Weatherspoons buying two pound Bud Lights, crying your eyes out, which I probably will be on Sunday night anyway. <laughs> Um, it, it's just one of those. Um, just, to, just to maybe move on a, a little bit away from the, the serious side of things. Um, you guys look look at the past couple of games you've had, where another three points in the league, and, and then I mean, I imagine the Champions League next half was a little bit nervy for you, especially second half. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting couple of games for us. You know, obviously, in terms of you look at our position, and you know, we look like we might be going deep in all four competitions, and you know, there's people. People in the press whispering about quadruples and stuff, and it's like I don't think any any Liverpool fans are getting over it. No, too too thingy about that. But it, if you look at the last two performances, we haven't really been at our sort of best, you know. So it it feels like as I'm watching, we're doing quite a bit of rotation still, but it feels like you know you're, you're looking around and there's a couple of players that maybe are just starting to feel a little bit of of of, of the sort of tiredness and the energy levels starting to get sapped a little bit. West Ham, like the West Ham game was a was a tough one. You know, it was one of them games where it was like, obviously, you know, they're a good side, West Ham, and you know, a physical side. And in David Moyes, it's never going to be an easy an easy one. But we weren't fluent. You know what I mean? It was it was one of them games where it was just like we got it done. We done what we have to do. And so how did it how did it set up Moyes? I mean, I'll be honest with you, I never watched any of the game on on Sunday at all. Um, did he set up like a knife in a gunfight, or, or were he quite bold? Did he, did he try and score a goal? I never seen nothing. Um, no, it, it it was it was weird really because it wasn't like any, a type of game where you know I was watching it thinking like oh the, you know there's a real sort of you can see how these are these are really set up to, to sort of frustrate us or these are going to put it on us and go at us. It was like we sort of weren't really playing our normal game. It was like the the, the game was just quite what's the word like sort of. Bitty is probably you know the, the the best way I could describe it. Um, it wasn't one that I, I could say was really enjoyable to watch, and you know obviously we got all three points, um, but it was it, it, as I say it was one of them where it was like you know glad glad that's over and 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 we got the win. There was never there wasn't any periods where I was looking at it thinking like oh West Ham was really really dangerous here, you know, and and, and they're going to put it on us and. Wasn't like we got away with it in terms of chances conceded or anything like that, but it was one where I was like, I don't think we looked really sharp, you know, like and really creative, and and you know some of the big like the likes of Salah was quiet, you know what I mean, and and and, and didn't score, and I don't know, it just wasn't it wasn't like a fluent, really, really sort of slick Liverpool performance, and I think when we then carried that into obviously going, you know, playing into Milan at Anfield. And we're already 2 0 up. It's one of them score lines. I think that's a little bit, you know, it's a dangerous score line where it's like, yeah, what yeah, do you do? Yeah, yeah. You're expecting that they need to get a result. So they need to sort of be aggressive and, and, and take it to us. And we're probably thinking that opens up the chance for us to get behind them, you know, which suits us, sit back and, and hit them on the break. But they didn't quite do that. They sort of played it the way they did the first leg, where it was like, you know, we'll, we'll compete in the middle of the park and stuff, but we're not going to let ourselves get stretched you know we're going to be patient and, and stuff and probably thought if we can get one we might get two and, and and then we'll see where we're at did it feel like that in the grounds when they got one did it get navy or was it mm, no. would, would, would I, have been better 
no, that being said, you know, the way our performance was very similar to, to you know, the West Ham game where it was a bit like uh, the conditions were mad. I'm not blaming, but the conditions, the wind was chaos. You know, it was like the, you could see the, the way the ball was moving. It was like, what's happening here? Like, the Santa Claus now, lad. But it was, but it was all because we were playing loads of balls in the air and stuff, even little like 10 yard passes were like getting lifted over players. And I'm like, keep it on the deck because you can see, think the ball's holding up in the air and think, you know, you're looking at thinking this can't be, the passing can't be that bad. The conditions must be playing a part. I was freezing there. It was windy. But but in terms of like watching the game, it wasn't a fluent performance from us again. Do you know what I mean? But mm. in terms of what you're saying there, like, did it feel like, you know, they scored one and then all of a sudden it was a worry? I don't think so. I mean, I think they only had two shots on goal over the two legs. And although the lads who scored the goal, you know, it was an um what was it, Lautaro, was it? Yeah. It was an absolute worldy goal. I don't think they had, Alisson had another save to make in that game. So it wasn't like they sort of put it on us after the first goal, but it was obviously around the like the, the ground. It was like, well, we're not playing that well, though. Even though we hit the post twice and we hit the bar, it was almost like in spite of us not playing well. Do you know what I mean? That mm. then chance happened. So I don't think there was a nervousness on We didn't really feel that intensity <laughs> after we scored their goal, where it was like, Inter Milan are going to go on and, you know, snatch this this tie. It didn't feel like that, but there was almost like a little bit of a snap out of it, Reds, because, you know, I I think the fans were looking at, like, it doesn't look like we're going to score either. You know, when you hit the bar twice, you hit, you hit the post twice, you hit the bar, you know, chances are going wasted and stuff. You're sort of looking at, like, you know, even if they, if they do get one back, that could be a worry, you know what I mean? Because yeah. we find that next gear to go into and, so, you know, fortunately for us, Inter didn't really seize the opportunity. I don't know what it was, but they sort of still carried on with this sort of patience. Obviously, they're down to 10 men, which I think was, you know, absolutely, absolutely right, the decision. Um, he was a mad referee, though, I have to say that. He was crackers in. But in terms of, like, you know, you're expecting when they've got one back, down to 10 men, you know, they're sort of, come on, we, 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 can, we can do this. He's just never done that. They never really seized the, uh, the opportunity, you know, to, to, to really put the spooks up us. So it was one of them. It was disappointing that we got beat on the, on the night. Obviously we've gone through and that that's the main thing. Um but it was as I say, it was just two performances where I'm looking around and thinking Salah just didn't quite look his best. You know, like other players on the Fabinho don't, don't think look quite his best. And I don't know, there was a few a few players where I was like, you know, it, it, it was one of them like we, we got through but Again, Look, there's been there's been a lot of there's been a lot of football now. Me from the outside looking in, I'm not going to throw stones. I'm the last person in my blue shirt who can throw stones at you and your reds. But just to give you something, what I do feel, I think there's been a lot of football played by the same players. Now I know you said on on the podcast last week that you've been looking at your bench and you've been more comfortable with the options and stuff. But there's only really, in my view, and you could correct me, two or three players that he does seem to rotate. And yet you're going into probably. The, the deep end now of, of the Champions League, the, the deep end of the FA Cup, I, I don't think you're going to let up on Manchester City. Where do you stand on, on, on competing with any team now going forward, whether it be FA Cup, Champions League, Premier League, when there are so many miles on, in my opinion, the same players at the moment? Yeah, I think it's a fair point. I mean, it, partly it's been out in the city because we did have, you know, as we've been saying, the bench has looked a bit weak, you know, until mm. the last couple of weeks where we've got everyone back. Um, mm. I think... You can certainly say that, you know, the likes of Mane and Salah play a lot of games for us. Um, but I think there's been plenty of rotation the last couple of weeks in the midfield. Um, we've seen, we've rotated the centre-hours quite quite a lot throughout the season. You know, Matip, Canate came in. 
you know, against West Ham, I thought he had a brilliant game, but I think he picked up a knock and he wasn't available um, against Inter Milan. Obviously, in the away fix against Inter Milan, he was brilliant, but matters being quality as well. So, we have seen rotation in, in the centre-back areas. We've seen it in the centre-mid areas. We haven't seen quite as much as we probably expected in the forward area because Jot has been out for the last couple of weeks and he's only just sort of came back. He came back in time for the League Cup final, but obviously he only played like a, you know, a small part of it. Um, so... I'm not looking at it thinking like we haven't got the manpower to go on and compete. I think we're probably looking at it like we'll probably welcome that international break towards the back end of this month. And I can fully expect that maybe we might pull a few stunts to try and keep a couple of hammies, a couple of hamstrings. Yeah. But where where I do think, you know, as I'm looking at Salah at the moment, I'm starting to wonder is his schedule starting to catch up with him a little bit? you know, I think all of Egypt's games went to extra time in that African Cup of Nations. I think he played four hundred and twenty minute games or something. You know, in quite a, a condensed calendar there. He plays so much football for us. Um, you've got to start wondering, is that starting to catch up with him? Because mm. you know, to go I think it's three games where he hasn't scored now, that's a drought for him. You know, I think it's it's only yeah. happened once so far this season and, 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 and then it's obviously happening now. So I don't know, I think there is maybe a li- a little bit of more rotation is needed. I think we might see a little bit, a, a bit more against against Brighton. You know, I think I think we will we will see some of some of them changes being made. But I do think, as I look at it, you know, the personnel on on the bench now is strong enough. You know, to to, to come in like Diaz. If we had to take Salah out the side for 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 a game to give him a blow, I think in Mane, Jota, and Diaz, we've got you know three very very good forwards that 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 that, that we can live with. Um, this is where you know we'll see. The man management side, the club, and 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 you know the the squad management side, because we have got a full squad available pretty much, um, and hopefully it's got the quality in it that allows us to ro- do them rotations and still be you know a live prospect in all these four competitions. Mate, I would love to have your problems. Did you watch us on Monday? It just yeah. it's mate, it's getting where every away game I watch for us now is getting worse and worse. I, I think the Newcastle one I watched. I was saying this is terrible. The, the Southampton one I watched, terrible. Monday night took that to a whole new level because the, the worst thing for me, and this sounds mad because I'm never told you, but the worst thing was that Tottenham didn't really get out of second gear. It was just so easy for them. And like, mm. there's, there's so many analogies you, you can put out. And I've seen a, a great one on Twitter. Um, Arlo, the American Evertonian, who's a bit of a Twitter, Twitter celebrity, he, he likened it to, if, if you're talking about sports, and that, let's compare it to boxing, if you're a boxer, you know you're going to get hit, half your game plan should be what happens when I get hit, mm. Everton don't have that at all, when we get hit, that's it, we just give up, and we still go into the third, 12th round and just fucking lose on points, it's just yeah. unbelievable, the, 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 for me, the mentality of that team is at but- rock bottom yeah, that, that, that is the worry isn't it you know you, you sort of look at it like when i'm watching news like as, as you say like i did see your game and i'll be honest like i i thought the way that you approached it was a bit mad in terms yeah. of tactically and so i think mm-hmm. you know we can talk talk about that in a second terms whether lampard got it right tactics wise but your home and away form is just crazy and it, and it looks like these players they, they feel sorry for themselves so easily and without the fans there to sort of like snap them out of it and give you know and and, and give them that little bit of fire in the belly, hmm. they're just gutless away from home, aren't they? Absolutely gutless. Do you know what I'm sick of as well? I'm sick of be, being put on the fans now. 
So once again this week, the Everton social media drum was banging that we need the fans at Goodison. Why is it put on us mm. every time to sort of get these players out of it? It's all the time. Are you telling me that? Now, I, my days of following Everton away are gone. As soon as I had my fucking first kid four years ago, they were gone. I don't go anymore. But there's fans who spend thousands upon thousands of, of pounds. They were going to go to Crystal Palace in the quarterfinal in two weeks' time, leaving at five in the morning because there's no trains. Why is why is the home form so important? Why, why can't this, these players turn up for the, the away fans? Now, mm. for me, it comes down to character again. You, you look at the goal... And, and I'll compare ourselves to you because the podcast that we are, not that I think we're better than you or even on the fucking same level as you, but if you went 1-0 down at Tottenham, I imagine there would be at least half of your team who would, come, come on, let's get, come on, this it's only 1-0 and, and you'd get back into it. Mm. I don't know, I could maybe name one, two of our team that do it. And I think I think the difference is if you went two 0 down, that mentality would stay the same. We give up. We may as well sit on the floor, untie our shoelaces, and just say keep running past us because there's no point us playing anymore. The mentality of that team is just a joke. And I don't want to go too far because you, you don't. It, everyone's a human being, and you don't know what human beings go through. So I don't want to attack, attack mentality too much. But at the same time, you're playing top end Premier League football. For a club like Everton, with fans like me and a passionate fan base in this city, if you can't deal with it, you have now come to the end. You've come to the end. I don't care who you are. I don't care whether you're a goalkeeper, you're a centre-half, you're a striker, a winger, a midfielder. I don't care. If you're not willing, if you're not mentally strong enough to play for Everton Football Club, go and play for Burnley. Go and play for Norwich. Go and play for Watford. Go and play for teams who every year will yo-yo up and you'll get that little high that you'll put on your fucking LinkedIn. At the, end of your, at the end of your, you've got two promotions with Burnley. Put it on your LinkedIn and go and do fucking after, after dinner speeches in 10 years' time with a hot pot and a pint of Guinness. If you're not mentally right for this football club, get out. And we've got so many players now who aren't mentally right for this football club. And it's been getting worse and worse, apart from last season. Now, last season, we mm. tailed off big time. We got to March and we tailed off. And me on this podcast was guilty of maybe going a bit overboard and things, but... That, that group of players, it's Marco Silva got sacked in December 2019 for being in the relegation zone. Um, Sam Allardyce was brought in because Ronald Koeman had Everton teetering near the relegation zone. That's the same core of players five years on. They're all being rewarded with new deal after new deal after new deal. Why? Who yeah. in this club is walking through with their eyes shut? giving deals out to certain players. And again, I don't want to go too far on names and mentality and stuff, but it's a joke. It's it's now got to the point where, and I, and I know none of you are watching, but in just, just for this podcast, in case you are, you're about to relegate my football club. You've got us on the brink of relegating my football club. You gang of shithouses. Absolute mm. gang of shithouses. Do, do you see what I see from the outside? Or Yeah, I mean, as I say, it's you know, you're looking at them and I'll, I'll be honest, in, the, in probably the last couple of weeks when I've watched your games, the only player, I mean, you can, Coleman's passion's always there, but obviously his legs are gone, but the only yeah. other player that I'm watching at the moment where I look at you and think like, that's the sort of spirit you need that's going to keep you up with Gordon. And he's a kid, you know, he's a, he's a kid, so but he's a kid who understands what it means to play for, it, for, for Everton, you know what I mean? So he's showing that passion that a load of them other senior players are just, it's not there, do you know what I mean? And they haven't got that. 
And that, and that's, that, you know, if I was a bully, I'd be like, that's the worry. Is that you've got so many, you know, I look around, like the likes of like Burnley and you look at the other teams you're competing with. I feel like they've got more of them type of a la sort of mentally stronger players who've been there before and know what it's mm-hmm. about. Whereas I feel like you've got a load of players who are licking the room saying we don't belong down here, but you belong exactly where you are because your form is absolutely horrendous because them players haven't shown up for so long. So it's like they, they're they in disbelief, I think, of, of, of being down there, whereas the likes of Gordon and that, you know, they're, they're the ones who are basically saying, like, come on, we've got to do better. And you can see that, he, you know, he, he leaves on the pitch every week. And then... That's Anthony Gordon ran past Alan on Monday to pick Alan's man up. He ran yeah. past him to get yeah. Alan's man. And, and what universe is like... But the, the problem is, there's nobody else. There's nobody else. Like, like if you drop Alan... It's only for Gomez, or it's for Tyler on Yango, the young kid, and you don't want to put the pressure on him. The squad is just you look oh, at it. Worry, like you know, we, we we laugh about it with our mates, don't we, in the group and all that. And like, I think you know, there's there's a feeling that Everton are too good to go down. No. On paper, if you look at the names of your first eleven, I'd say yeah, you you are too good to go down. But you seen the performances that the these players are putting in on the pitch and the attitude and the mentality of them. I don't feel like they've got the mental strength to stay up. No. If you know, and, and that's your worry, isn't it? Because uh, you know, they in a good side, some of them players are good players, but in a collection of of, of of where they've got to be the main men and stand stand up and be counted, I'm just not seeing that they've got that mental fortitude for it. Whereas if I look around like Burnley, I, I feel like they might have them characters in the dressing room who were like, come on, you know, we're we're staying. We, like it's like they want it more, and and I, and I think you've seen that with some of the Newcastle players. You know, I think. There's a few characters in their dressing room who've sort of said we need to get away from where we are, you know, and they've stood up and been counted. And I don't know. The, the worry for you is, I think, as I say, on paper, if, if we're looking at names and we and we wrote the first eleven down for all the teams who are scrapping, you do look too good to go down. I just don't think you've like in terms of mental strength though. You you you're down there with anyone, you know, in terms of because you've got players who are not used to being in this situation and. Weirdly, in a manager in Lampard, you've got a manager who's not used to being in this situation. You know, he's he, most of his football is being played at clubs with a lot of money with superstar players and good times. Mm-hmm. He's got to dig in and find that, you know, how am I, how am I going to motivate this group of players who have got no guts? Mm-hmm. It's a tough situation. But just on that, I mean, what what, what was your view on, on how Lampard approached the Tottenham game? Because I think it was very naive. If you watched any in the Spurs yeah. this season... The teams they struggle against, the teams who sit back against them and let them have the ball. If you go at them, they'll rinse it on the break. You know, Kane and Son and um, who's the other, uh, Lucas Moura and stuff like that. They've got players who can really hurt you quick behind. Mm. You know, they do it to Liverpool, they beat City. You know, the teams that they do well against, the teams that basically give them no respect and go at them or shut them down and, and press high. I thought it was suicidal the way you've done that the first 10, 15 minutes and left Coleman to be the man chasing back. Not. Yeah, no, if you look in hindsight at it, it, it was the wrong way to set up. Now, now, what I will say, and I don't want to seem like I'm blind loyalty to, to Frank Lampard, because trust me, in any year's time, I'll be Lampard's out probably on this podcast. That's just the way it goes with Everton fans. I'm as guilty as anybody. But our last two away games where we've conceded the goal, oh, so, sorry, Newcastle turned or we did score first at Newcastle, but Newcastle very quickly turned the game round. Southampton, when we went behind... He's came out publicly and said like he the character of the team when they go behind is questionable. Like there's a lot of you know problems with the character. So I think he's got to score the first goal in the first 15 or 20 minutes. I, I think if that happens, we revert back a little bit. 
I think what he, I don't think he he plans to play the whole game like that. I think it's very much like we need to score the first goal. And the other side of the coin for that, to support what I'm saying, is how do you sit back and invite pressure on Mason Holgate and Michael Keane? How? It just you just it's, yeah, it's, it's suicidal. It, it's suicidal. Now, everybody is a football manager. I'm a football manager. You're a football manager. And we're all the greatest football managers in hindsight. In hindsight, it was the wrong decision. But what I will say is that is I see why he done it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think there's that. Obviously, your defense is not is not great. So, and you probably your strengths are probably you know the likes of the Charles and Calvert Lewin and stuff like the more you're attacking players. But mm. I don't know. I just the way I the way I see it, it's like you know you have to be a bit more pragmatic. Like I've watched Spurs, you know, against poor sides this season, and when they've got no space to run in behind, they, they, like the the creativity is just not there. You know, they can't play mm. through lines. So it's almost like you know, if you can be disciplined, and I think that that's the worry for you know. If, it, if I say the worry for me, it's not a worry for me, but it's a, if I was if I was an Everton fan like Lampard, shows at Chelsea, he's not a defensive manager. He's not a manager who can set mm. up a defense. You haven't really got defensive players, but he can't make you harder to beat. Like at, at the moment, I, I feel like that's probably where you need to start, and you should be looking to spring counter attacks the other way. You know, with the likes of Richarlison, Calvert Lewin. Um, if you're the lad, you, the, the, the young lad that you bought on, on um, Anthony Gordon, Tamari Gray, Gray, yeah, and, and Gordon, you know, they, they you should be looking to do that as, as opposed to trying to go toe to toe and, and leaving space in behind with a high line. I think it is is nuts, you know, when you've got the glacial pace of like Michael Keane and, and you've got Coleman, who you know, he, he absolutely looks legged, doesn't he, in terms of pace. So, I don't know, I, I, I'm just looking at that, and it, it was just something that I thought oh, that that's a crazy. Crazy way to no, play. No, I, I, I can 100% see the reasons why you or anybody else would say that. And, and look, the, we don't know how the season's going to end yet. It, we might look back in May and say that was the wrong appointment. That should have been the appointment in the mm. summer when mm. he could have had that time to really get everything into, into a mid table. I don't know. I'm going into, let's just quickly move on to the, the games of the weekends. I'm going into Wolves, and I've touched upon it already. I, I'm quite insulted by the fact it's on me and it's on my group of fucking friends again to, to, to beat Wolves. But I also know that I've got no choice but to turn up on Sunday and give it everything. Every Evertonian watching this who's going the game, we've got a duty to our club to turn up and, and give everything because don't leave that ground on Sunday and not, you know, with any regrets. If we give what we can and the team don't, that's a different podcast, that's a different argument, mm-hmm. that's a different Twitter conversation. We've got to do what we've got to do. But it's getting now, I feel like this is the third game running that the fans have been asked to come and make Goodison hostile. And it's look, I'll be there. I'll I'll be I'll be singing my heart out and, and I hope that the instant match reaction is, is, is not a 13k view because we've lost and I'm ranting with Judgy. It's a nice 1k view because no one wants to watch a happy Evertonian. But it's a tough game. Wolves are no mugs. I know they've lost the last three and they've, yeah, got, a couple of, they've got a couple of injuries, but their manager's going to be drilling into them. Look, we're in touch and distance of a really good season. These are shite. Don't don't let these beat you. That's the message mm. they're going to get. I, I expect a really, really tough game. Now, when the Leeds game a few weeks back, without sounding arrogant, I, I knew we'd do them. They're like us. They're a stone in the lake, just sinking and sinking and sinking, and they're just waiting for something to happen. And they've changed their manager now on, on the hope that something happens for them. Um Wolves is a different animal. And then we've got Newcastle next Thursday, which I know the lads will cover on, on next week's show. But for me, 
it's got to be six points. And I've heard people say four. It's got to be six because that run Everton have in April where we play Liverpool, Chelsea, if they're still fucking functioning, Arsenal, Manchester United, Leicester. And then we've got the rearranged games with Watford and Burnley away. Who are going to look at Everton as a team they can beat. Before we get to that run, Everton have got to put, got to put space. And if if this time and two weeks' time, Everton are in the relegation zone, I'll go on record here, they were fucked. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm, as we've said there, your home and away form is so sort of polar opposite. You, you can't look at the away games and think that, you know, you, you don't look at them and think their places are going to go and take no. any points. You have to make your home games count. But as you say, in Wolves and Newcastle, they're tough games. You know, I think, as you said, Wolves, they're not in great form. I think, as you say, they've lost the last three or whatever, but they're an organised side and they're a good side. And as you as you mentioned, you know, they, they've got these arms on having a strong end to finish their season. Yeah. And you've got to be thinking, you know, do I expect them to lose four on the bounce? Probably not. You know what yeah. I mean? That's that's like a pretty miserable run, isn't it? So, you know, you, they're definitely going to be turning up. And Newcastle, although they probably clawed themselves out of it, you know, they, they've already beat you this season and it feels like they're in a, in a good moment. They're like, you can feel there's momentum to Newcastle, you know, when you're watching their football and stuff at the moment, it feels like Eddie R starting to put it together for them. Um, and they'll so, take a point, they'll take a point because of the run they've had prior to this, they'll go and take a yeah. point now. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I agree with you, I think if you don't take, you're saying six, I think absolute minimum four points out of them two games, it could look very, very dicey for you because, um, I don't know, you, you, you mentioned that run, you just don't, I just can't see where, no, you sort of pick up a lot of points along the way there. Um, you must be, and, you must be licking your lips for the Anfield derby, my friends. It, it like, I, 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 I've, I've said, I've said publicly, I, I think you could have scored more in December at Goodison. I think Everton were really poor, but I think what you did do, whether it was an eye on what was coming, I think you sort of took it when it was four. I think you sort of kept it at four and was very like a cat with a mouse. But you must be licking your lips because this is a game where. Albeit, goal difference affects your season now. Yeah, it, it, it's one of them. I mean, I'll never say I'm looking forward to a derby, even though generally, you know, we do we do do okay out of them. It's you know, I'll I'll never say I enjoy it because I think that old adage that people say, you know, form goes out the window is true. And when you've got Everton, if they're looking at it and thinking we need all three points here to stay up, do you know what I mean? That's a you know, that, that introduces a level hope you'd think would introduce a level of intensity to that derby. You know, we're looking at all three points to stay in the in the title race. And it's you know, at that point, mad mad things can happen, you know what I mean? When there's that much emotion on the line. So I'll never say I'm looking forward to it, but in terms of like, you know, if if I'm being honest and saying, you know, if we get Everton, the Everton that turns up there against like Spurs, then absolutely. Because okay. you know, it, it was a it was a it was a cowardly performance that to me. So you know what I mean? It depends. I suppose it depends where you are in the league at that point and and, and stuff and, and and what the you know the the games before that have gone like for you and and like what our games have gone like as well. Obviously, you know it'll be interesting to know where we are in terms of all them competitions at that time. So, but you know what I mean? It it, it, it is one of them. It's a tough one to say you're looking forward to a derby, but you know I'm not I'm not going to say that I'm terrified of you either. Um, you you could you couldn't pay me to go to that game. Honestly, you couldn't pay me to watch couldn't that game. Pay, couldn't pay you to go to the City game either, could we? 
Right, well, do you know what? It got that bad. I wanted Everton to win last week. That's how bad we are. The first time in years, I was like, well, come on, Everton, get into City. Crazy. Just a little sidebar there. Do you remember a few years back? Um, I think we got beat by City 3-1 at Goodison and they had Jews in the second leg. It was the, it was the one where Guardiola was talking about Mane and Salah whilst yeah, he was yeah. at Goodison. On the TV programme. There, there, was there was just... I mean, this is all about banter and debate. I don't mean to like laugh at Everton. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. Um. I think City were 3-1 up at like 85 minutes or something. They're playing you next. And for some reason, like Rooney lost his head or, and, and he started kicking De Bruyne. And the Everton fan behind me said, don't fucking kick him! That's <laughs> 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 it, isn't it? Like, it, it? And it, it creates that sort of weird sort of, you know what I mean? Mad. We're so let's just spoil it for them. Looking ahead to you guys, so, so Man City played Crystal Palace on Monday. So, again, similar to last weekend, this is your chance just to keep knocking and just saying we're not going away. Be the pain in the ass that Pep Guardiola has referred to you as. And Jürgen Klopp seemed to love. Yeah. You've got Bright, you've got Brighton um, away. Now, I think Brighton got a, got a good point against you last season. Um, and, and they got this a good season? point this, this yeah, season as yeah. well. Yeah, last season at the Amex, it was the one where Klopp and... Um, who was the TV presenter? They had that back and forth, remember, over the penalty. Uh, were, uh, the BT fella. It was where yeah. Klopp really, really went into it, yeah. and then he got a, got a point this season. So, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say really is that's for me isn't a, a Norwich. It, it it isn't a you know it's a it's not an Everton. It's not a fucking. It's not a three points for you, in my opinion. Are you feeling the same, or are you quite confident going into it? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I you know I've said this season like I think Brighton had a good side, very organised. Um, you know, I think Potter's got them very well drilled, and they got loads of energy players. You know, in, in in terms of particularly up front, you know, they're just constantly running and constantly moving. So, I think you know that it's a tough, it's going to be a tough place to go. And and, and I, as I say, like looking at our last two performances against Inter and West Ham, I'm not looking at it thinking we look our fluent best. So. I can't say I'm like going there. Yeah, you know we're definitely going to win, and and it and it, it's three points, and and we move on to the next one. Um, I think we've got to be careful. You know, again at Anfield, it was a weird game because we started so well, and for the first 15, 20 minutes we were cruising. You know, we went one 0 up, and I thought this is going to be a three or four nil home victory. Yeah, and then we it was like literally a signal went round all the players, and they went right, take the foot off the gas now, boys, and everyone just went. Shh. And all of a sudden, Brighton grew into that game, you know, and, and we ended up letting them, you know, sort of take take a point out, out of a game that should have been dead and buried and, 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 and no problem. So I'm looking at it thinking, you know, Potter will probably be looking at, at our games the last couple and saying, you know, maybe there is a little bit of tiredness and if we keep the energy up against them, we might get opportunities and you've got them, as I say, them, them types of players. So it, it's a it's a nervy one um, and, it, and it, you know, it, it is one but with the early game, which I never really ever like either. You know what I mean? But I still think it's a game that if 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 we if we do turn up, we we'll, we'll take all three points. You know, we're, we're definitely a better side than Brighton, and we've got pretty much our strongest side available. Um, whether it's fit and fresh, and you know, as 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 fresh as it could be, is another question. But we certainly got the players there to, to, to put us a very, very strong 11 out and, and, and basically mm. go and take them points. Um, but I don't think it's going to be, or I wouldn't expect it to be a real high high score and, you know, annihilation of Brighton on their patch. Um, I think that, as I say, they're the good side, an organised side, and, and they have already took points off us, you know, this season. Um, so it is one to be wary of. But we did say, you know, me and Gary, we've done the instant match after the West Ham game. Obviously, 
It couldn't go out because halfway through, <laughs> whatever reason, the audio went absolutely schizo. Um, and 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 all 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 you couldn't hear what we were saying because it was just mad static noise for about five minutes. Um, so we had to unfortunately take it down. Anyone who did who, who is a you know a subscriber might have seen it appear there for a couple of minutes and then get taken down. But we did say on that, you know, it's important that you get the points before City play. You know, these opportunities when things are so tight as they are in that league. You need to you need to seize them. You know you need to make them count and put the pressure on. And although City, you know, are a boss side, and as you say, they've got Palace. They should be Palace. Weird things can start happening. You know when 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 you're under that pressure, um, and you have to get a result. So mm. I just hope that we do. You know we go in that early game, the half twelve kickoff on Saturday against Brighton, get all three points, throw it right on City's toes, and then just say okay, you know, over to you and 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 see what you've got. Because the longer we can keep that, as you say, that sort of pain in the arse mentality and you know keep them looking over the shoulder and thinking these aren't going away you know this Liverpool team is not going just not we keep grinding out the wins if, if when they're not playing well and when they do play well you know you can take all three points comfortably mm. I want us in their face constantly you know right the way to the end of the season and if it comes down to it on a one-off game us against them and and you know that's that's going to decide the league then then so be it you know I'd, I'd at backers in them emotional situations, we're used to them and, and we're generally quite good in them. Um, but I want us to have that opportunity, so it's vitally important that we that we do win. You know, we, we take all these three points and, and keep that league title chase alive because just don't want to give them an, an opportunity to sort of like take a breath. You know, really want to keep the pressure on them. So I hope we are up for it. Um, I hope we you know we do go and, and we get the comfortable points and we can put our feet up for the weekend and enjoy the rest of the football. Okay, fair enough. We're going to try and keep it under an hour, so we'll talk bet mate in a moment. But we had a couple of social media, well, as always, lots of social media questions, but just one each. So we've got Steve on the website, Terry. Is there anybody that you don't want in the Champions League next round, or or is it just anyone? Um, because you're playing English clubs now as well, so City and you know, you can. Is there someone yeah. you don't want? Real Madrid looked good last day for me as well. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not looking at it thinking there's anyone that I desperately don't want. You know, at this point, I, I sort of, I sort of look at it and think over two legs, you know, I, I, I fancy us against anyone. I always have in Europe, you know what I mean? Literally anyone that you that you care to name. And that goes with City as well. I think I'd actually probably rather maybe face City before in a one off final, you know, when they want it so desperately. And it's, and it's like, it would really hurt, you know, to go out to get beat in a final by another English team, you know. It, 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 that would really be horrible. So there's no one that I'm looking at and thinking, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want... If you're talking about who's the best in teams, in it, it's City, Bayern Munich, you know what I mean? They're, they're probably the teams that most people are looking at and, and, and obviously us in, in terms of, you know, the most dangerous names in there. There are still some little curveball sides in there, though, like Ajax have done really... You know, they've got a chance to go through mm. um, and, and, and be in the later stages. And yeah. I think, you know, if they get through, they... They've managed to sort of rebuild after they had that team that nearly went through and got us in the final last time, you know, when we ended up playing Spurs. Yeah, yeah. We lost all them young players and that really strong team that they had, but they've rebuilt and, and, and they're playing good football. And, and the one of them, like, the, you've got to be careful of some of them little surprise packages, you know, who, who no one's really got their eye on and, and they sort of come out of nowhere and, and, and sort of, you know, mull you, like, you know, mm. like shock you and you're like, oh, where's that came from? So I'm not looking at it thinking there's anyone I fear. Um, there's no one that I, I, you know, I'm desperate to avoid, um, but you know, I, I, obviously, if I had to name someone, I'd probably say Bayern Munich and City are the two that, like, you know, the most dangerous prospects and the rest out of the rest of them. But 
I'd fancy us to back it to beat anyone over two legs, I'm honest. Okay, fair enough. My phone has just literally died. We had a question from um, Darren O'Day. I don't know you can you can get it up on your on your phone while I just yeah. fill some fill some time. We are going to talk about the BetMate at the end of the show. Uh, BetMate app. Maybe you can get it on the Android and the Apple Store. It's it, it, you, you pick five or six. Is, is it five players, Teddy, or six players? I'm, I'm not the plug for this. Judges well better at this than me, but. It's basically the goalkeeper. If, if he gets, you know, saves uh, the defenders with tackles and interceptions, the midfielders with assists and pass completion, strikers with assists and goals. If you put three quid on the across the park league on on, on this weekend, you'll be able to pick a team combined of the Everton Liverpool's games. So, Brighton players, Liverpool players, Wolves players, and also um, the Everton players as well. <laughs> Whether you'd want to do that or not. I think me and Terry are yet to take any money home. All six of us do play. So if any of you is out there, we hope that you don't, but if any of you don't really have a soft spot for one of us and you want to come and beat us in the in the Betmate League, download the app and get on. And if you have any technical difficulties, the the guys are online as well at the at Betmate on Twitter and Betmate's app on, on Instagram as well. But if you get on there, all the rules are there. Like I said, my my phone's died. There's all my notes there, my phone's died, but from oh. Yeah, so well, I'll jump in because I, I have got Darren's post here. But to be honest, uh, what he actually said was, um, he basically said this week's question for the Blues, there's a lot of talk going around about how important the fans are going to be forever at home. These players need to seriously look at themselves now and fight. But can the Goodison crowd pull us through? Obviously, we, we've sort of touched yeah, on yeah. that. But, you know, it, it, I think he's just making the point, isn't he, that, you know, it's vitally important that, that the fans turn yeah, up. But it's a shame that it's so reliant on the fans to get the, to get to get to pull you through. And I've and I've said that, and I'm right on board with what Darren said. Darren's a friend of the show. He messages all the time on Twitter, so so thanks for the message. But it's it's mirrored with what I said earlier. Let's not leave that ground on Sunday. Let's not end the season and say that we could have done more. And now there's a the, the fun narrative that Evertonians are a, a tough crowd that we boo, and there's a very funny Paddy Power video that came out this week, which I left out. Evertonians and Constant. That's the narrative of us. Let's not let's not get to the end of May. Let's not get to Arsenal away on the final game, Brentford at home on the, on the last home game, where we've not done our part. Now, okay, Goodison has been a tough tough ground to play for. I mean, there's, there's mitigating factors that ex-manager should never have been there, in my opinion, that that has a large effect on what should have been a, a boisterous ground after being locked down for 18 months or whatever. But yeah, look, I agree, Dan. I, I think... The, the players need to stand up a lot more than what they have. But if it's at Goodison Park and there's thirty eight thousand Everton or there's thirty five thousand Evertonians who, who are right behind that team and they're, they're shouting for every decision and they're behind the team, then that's all we can do. Let's not end the season and think that that we should have done any more. Teddy, what's your team on 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 Betmate on the across the park league? Are you going all Liverpool and Wolves? What are you doing? Well, I don't know yet because I, I haven't actually put the team in because I've just got to do it. But at the moment. Although our, our actual bet is there, it, you can't seem to put the team in at the moment because it just says more info when I'm clicking on it. won't let me actually click through. But <laughs> it's not, it's will, not, the best plug, not the best plug I've ever done. Like. <laughs> I, will, I will check it though in, in a minute and, and I try and make sure I can join uh, because at the moment, I don't know whether it's just the app on my phone like being a, a bit silly, but it's obviously seven players, isn't it? Just, you know, seven players, sorry, yeah. yeah it's, it's six outfield players and, and a keeper. I think I'll be looking at it thinking um, I'll obviously... Put some Liverpool players in there. Um, I do think we'll start Diaz, so I think I'm going to put him in there. Um, I, I do think he's going to start the game. Um, in terms of like 
I don't really expect I'm going to put many Everton players in, if I'm honest. That makes two of us, lads. Don't, don't um, I don't know. I've just got, I've got a feeling that Wolves are going to get the results against us, if I'm honest. Um, so I might go with maybe the Wolves keeper um, and then I'd sprinkle a couple of Wolves players in there and, and try and, and maybe the odd. I, I don't know. I might put, I might put um, maybe like a Damari Gray on or something like that for use. Um, Possibly. Oh, go on, maybe. You're horrible, horrible man. Ending the show on, on such a such a high for the Reds. So oop, I imagine a smile at that one. Such a, such well, we, a we, we, haven't, we haven't before we end the show. We haven't done any predictions here. What is your prediction? Um, I think, I think, and I hope that we've got that. Everton have got enough on Sunday to win the game two one. Um, as far as your game goes, um, again, I hope. But I also think it's a possibility that there could be a score draw 1-1. What about you? Um, I reckon Liverpool, I'm going to say 2-0. Do you want to throw a Wolves-Everton prediction in? Ooh, For um, a double? If I throw a Wolves-Everton prediction in, I'm going to say Wolves 2-1. Good God, the instant match reaction is going to go viral, if that's the case, on <laughs> Sunday night. Um no, guys, thanks for joining us. I know it's, it's only me and Teddy. We haven't had the, the four people this week. We're hoping to get back to that next week. We, we do apologise last week that there was no game on. I know Judge ended the show last week by saying that we were looking at revamping it a little bit with this week in history. And unfortunately, like I said, there's, there's been so many mitigating factors for, for all of us. It's, it's been uncanny that everything has gone against us. But we're this week, there's no game on again because we've released this show on Thursday. We are looking at the potential of moving things around to be transparent with you guys. That this week in history is is really tough for us to to keep rehashing. We don't want to talk about Liverpool two West Brom one in advance in March. We don't want to talk about Everton one nil at Coventry in advance in March. We we want to bring you good content, so we are looking at maybe bringing game on, touching it up a little bit, maybe some viewing interaction, listening interaction. And, and touching up, we will communicate all of this, of course, on the social media platforms, which Facebook is Across the Park Podcast, Twitter and Instagram is at Across the Park PC. Uh, we value all our listeners over on the podcast. They've been with us for, for coming up four years, Teddy. Can you believe it? Yeah, four years this summer, and we, we appreciate you all. And you guys have helped us evolve into a YouTube show. And if you're watching on YouTube, there's a little button there called subscribe. It really does help. Judge, you did say last week as well that we're looking at maybe rewarding our subscribers with some prizes. There was a, there was a Liverpool shirt available last week that was signed. There's, there's going to be an Everton one as well for the Blues. But we do apologise that the, the, the content in the past week or so has been a bit scarce. We're hoping to be back again next Monday where we're going to be reviewing an Everton win and a Liverpool draw. And then we're going to be talking about the games coming up in, in, in the weekends ahead as well. But I'm already messing. Of course, Liverpool are going to win. Satan's at it, isn't he? Satan is alive and well. Because Chelsea about to, Chelsea about to go bust. <laughs> the most Satan thing ever. But from myself, Ian Mills, and from Teddy McGiven, from both sides of Stanley Park, thank you so much for joining us on Across the Park podcast. Please hit subscribe. Please share the show with your friends. We will see you again next week. <laughs>